This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chao Bello Veracruz. Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder. And I will take the powers of those that have no fear. And the prodigal one, JB. The queen. The queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. on the poppings and every kind of digital platform that is available to the IWC YWC Mark Charts out there. It is I, your friendly neighborhood professor. It is I, the charismatic one. It is I, the studious one. It is I, the glorious one. The only objective man in the IWC YWC. The only objective man in the Twitters on, of the political punditry. Welcoming you to the PWR podcast. And we're going to be treating this like, yes, it's going to be like a summer vacation. We're going to do our the PWR Spring Break Edition, even though it's it's going to be summertime, because we're going to take a little hiatus. We're going to take a little two-week vacation. But before we do that, Magnificent Seven, before we do that to the Elite Eight, the Naughty Nine, the Terrific Ten, the Essential Eleven, before we take those, take that much-needed break, you know, to cool off the batteries. But even though it's not me, I'm not, not going to be cooling off my batteries. I'm going to be educating and edifying the masses across the United States. My partner in crime, the conservative liberal one. The man is going to be on a grinder uh, national tour. He's got dates with men in Los Angeles. He's got dates with men in Florida. He's got dates with... Say what? Who's paying for these trips? Oh, I think you you told me uh, on the private DMs, uh, Biden's paying for this with his stimulus money. You're using the stimulus money the right way. You're doing the grinder tour. So either way, neither here nor there. But that voice of voice you hear is the man that probably isn't freezing on my end, but he's probably like moving around, dancing his ass off, walking like an Egyptian. He's your friend of mine, the conservative liberal, Mr. Wonderful, a.k.a. the Tommy Strong, the Iron Stomach One, Tommy Wonder. How are you doing, my friend? Lousy. So, we missed last week, and I'll take the blame for that one. My awesome privilege of owning a home means I also get the added bonus of when shit breaks, you got to fix it. No pun intended. The last week, I've had an auger like a Tommy gun trying to unclog my basement sink. I got it down to a very, very, very slow leak, and I tapped out and called the plumber today. It was coming tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But it's ironic because just this weekend, I looked someone dead in the eye and I said, you know, I used to love mowing the lawn, right? Loved it. Mm-hmm. And then one day, 
I just like, this sucks. I don't know why I love it. And I realized the difference. I loved it when I had a woman living here. And there was a way to get the hell out of here and be by myself for an hour, cutting the grass, listening to my music. So, because I live here by myself with my dog, and every now and then my kids are here a few days a week, I now have to cut that grass as a job, not because it's a sanctuary. So I looked someone dead in the eye the other day and said, you know what? A couple years ago, my lawnmower broke. I paid a company $25 every two weeks to cut my grass, and uh, I think I'm going back to that because it's worth it. It's worth it for me to not have to cut that damn grass. My backyard is like a football field with a garage in the middle of it. And uh, so what happens right after I utter those words? Plumbing problems. Uh-huh. And that's just going to cost me a couple hundred dollars at least, I'm sure, tomorrow. That is I'm a tough race. Cut the grass. Well, this is the American dream. You you have a home of your own, your dream home. And when you have a dream home, Reflectionites, you got to, you know, pay for the maintenance. You got to do all the upkeeps. You got to cut the grass. You got to make sure the toilet is is not stopped up. You got to make sure the sink is working. You got to make sure the oven is good. It is your responsibility. That is the American way, right, T.W.? American. And I'm going to tell you right now, this shit ain't my dream home, just so you know. I'm not saying what, where you're living is your dream home, but it is the American way of home having. Is, the dream is to own the home, I know. Right. You know but, what? I'll be honest with you. I got divorced almost eight years ago, and for the first year I lived in an apartment, best year of my adult life. I'm not going to lie to you. I lost my mom and my brother three months apart in that year. That aside, summer of 14 was a pretty wicked awesome summer for the king of the nighttime world. Then from there... I wasn't sure if me and my roommate were going to renew our lease. He decided to wait to the last second to tell me we weren't. So then I had to scramble to find somewhere else to live. Mm -hmm. I rented a house with another buddy. I had the upstairs. I had two bedrooms, a kitchen, bathroom, living room. He had three in the dining room. And we hung out down there. But when my kids were there, I stayed on my half upstairs. Lived in there for about six months and then bought this house. But the stress of not knowing where I was going to live, A, before the apartment, and B, after the apartment lease was up, I don't have that owning this house. I'm coming up six years here, and I'll tell you what, man, I get it. It's it's like you live in an apartment. Do mm -hmm. you got to go year to year, or can you sign like a two, three-year lease? It depends. Sometimes it's a year, and sometimes it's a two-year. It fluctuates. Yeah, I would choose the two-year because I hate moving. And, and usually when you do the two-year, they lock in the damn monthly payment so it don't go up every year like it does if you're year to year but yeah the two year is more stability i get you right. i understand and right. the year is like oh you got a good year but then you got to think about it like three Point months in advance <laughs> right that's the way the world is so you know what tw before we you know we're going to take a two-week hiatus. We're going to do our little summer vacation and you're holding up nxt action figures tony storm and I, who's that johnny gargano you think it is Johnny Gargano? You're close. Was that who is that? HBK? Oh no, that's Austin Theory. Oh, okay. And they're the Chase figures. I found both of these in the store. Mm. Nope. Amazon sent me this Chase when I ordered the regular, and I found Tony Storm. I already got Tony Storm. You you saw it. You talked about her mm -hmm. big ass when I put it on here, but I opened that one. I don't open the Chase ones. And well, then. Reflectionites, I warn you because, you know, I think he's got like three sets of Tony Storms. That's the good one that he's going to keep. Three, I do have three Tony Storms. Yeah, there's one good one for collector's purposes, and there's one for Tommy Wonder purposes in his bedroom that, it, that, that is used and abused. You know, you would call like Law and Order SVU because there'd be a crime scene on that. Tony on the beach? 
Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> her butt but, looks a lot better without, without her wrestling gear. It looks a little, a little slimmer. Well, I, I think the picture angle was very bad. But anyway, let's get into this before we go on our little summer hiatus, TW. Are you ready to go on a, on a little nostalgic trip, even though it's not 10 years as I define as old school? Yep. Well, we're going to go it's nine years. years. What do you mean? It's 11 years. No, no, it's nine years. If you look at the date of this, we're going to go back to... That's what I meant. That's what I... <laughs> You failed. And you, you heard to me that it was nine before we went to record. You failed math miserably, but we're going to go nine years ago here, <laughs> Reflection Nights, and we're going to do what I wanted to do, and it's more of an homage to this company, but also more of an F you to the IWC, YWC, TW, because, you know, I have a bone to pick with the IWC, YWC. You know me. I don't like Mark Tars, and sometimes Mark Tars are front runners. Mark Tars are selective. Mark Tars have amnesia. Mark Tars don't give credit where credit is due. Do you agree with that, TW? 1,000%. So we're going to be doing... I don't like the word, but yes, 1,000%. Right. I know who you... I know of which you speak of. Yes. So we're going to talk about Ring of Honor Wrestling uh, Reflection. Yes, I know some, some people in the IWC, maybe even the Magnificent Seven, the Elite Eight, you don't... Either you don't know about Ring of Honor or you don't watch Ring of Honor. I respect that. But you know what? We, we got to put some respect. No, no, not respect with a T at the end. We got to put some respect with a K at the end, TW, on Ring of Honor because they did a lot for the professional wrestling game in the 2000s. And with this particular episode from June of 2012... Look at the cast of characters that are there, TW. The cast of characters that are you know, that have went to Impact Wrestling. The cast of characters here that went to NXT and WWE. The cast of characters that are involved with probably AEW, TW. I mean, people are forgetting. They're sleeping on the history, not the history of Ring of Honor, but the the credit that Ring of Honor deserves. You know, Tony Khan gets all this credit for the forbidden door, but Ray of Honor was doing an open door policy since the 2000s. We, you know, because of the open door policy, we got like Impact Wrestling and Ring of Honor working together in conjunction. We got, we got Ring of Honor working in conjunction with Combat Zone Wrestling, even though I don't like that organization. And here in the 2010s, TW, Ring of Honor was, was working with New Japan almost religiously. And in this episode alone, we have the cast of characters like Kevin Owens. We got Adam Cole, baby. We got Steve Carino. We got Cedric, Cedric Alexander. We got Roddy Strong. We got Truth Martini. I mean, the roster was stacked, TW. But, you know, people, I know. people go on to the next best thing. They go on to the flavor of the moment. Now, I'm not, I'm not mad at wrestlers doing the business thing, TW. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if WWE is going to call you, TW, and they're going to pay you an X amount of dollars, guaranteed money, a two, three-year contract, and that's way more than what Ring of Honor is paying for you, I understand that. But I'm talking about the fans. The fans have literally abandoned this organization. What say you, TW? Not only that, let me add my, let me throw my coals on the fire. Adam Please Cole, do. I'm Sure, you didn't say his name, damn it. But uh, I kept holding his figure up, and you just wouldn't say Adam Cole. But anyways, um, here's the other thing. This show in particular, Adam Cole, Kevin Steen, Roderick Strong, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, who mm -hmm. was just 
terrible on commentary then as he is talking today, 12, nine years later. Cedric Alexander. I'm surprised Kenny King's never made it to WWE, but the world's greatest tag team. Um, and there's probably many more. Bottom mm-hmm. line, all these guys were internet darlings. The, the, the YWC, YWC loved all of these guys. Everyone mm-hmm. I just named is in the WWE as we speak, with the exception of Charlie Haas, but Shelton Benjamin is. Mm-hmm. Ironically enough, feuding with the guy he wrestles on this show, Cedric Alexander, who he was teaming with not too long ago. She had the same guys having the same matches because they're not having bad matches. Mm-hmm. But these same people, the second WWE is signing their check, they turn on them. They turn on them. They flat out turn on them. And that's what makes me laugh because all these, like, how many Bullet Club guys are in WWE? Oh, they're wasting them. Because apparently, uh, I think to satisfy the IWC, YWC, the best thing you can do is just give everyone a belt. And then everybody's happy because they don't understand that only one person can hold a title at a time. But that's almost, that's, not, a, that's not enough, TW. You, a belt's not I enough. Know, I know it's not enough. And, and it's, it's just it's sad to me. I just don't get it. And then you got mm-hmm. Kevin Steen, Kevin Kevin Owens, not a fan, not a fan here, not a fan there, not a fan anywhere. That's Dr. Seuss. But he, he to me, is Scott Demore wearing Tommy Wonder's wrestling gear. Me and my buddies talk about it all the time. But but people love them. Michael Elgin's there. He's cancel cultured. Um, I think Davey Wolf, is that the guy he beat? He was Davey, the champion. Davey Richards is now, has oh, uh, he took a hiatus. Oh, American Wolves, right? Right. David Richards is now at MLW, Major League Wrestling. Oh, he came back? Yes. I thought he retired to be a fireman. He did, but now he came back. He has the itch Eddie, to come back. Eddie, Eddie Edwards? Is that his name? Eddie Edwards is an Impact Wrestling. But, I mean, he's on this show, as I'm saying. Mm-hmm, right. Almost everyone on this show, and I was going to ask you, but once I saw it was 2012, that's for sure, because by then Kurt Angle was an Impact. Um, mm-hmm. That's this correct. Is, this is... Haas and Benjamin went there after the WWE, and I was stunned that they were able to call themselves the world's greatest tag team because you would think that would be copyrighted. But um, it was good, and and I liked the presentation of it. I like I'm not a big Kevin Kelly guy, who also New Japan guy. I I think I think the presentation, at least of this episode. Fun fact: I never ever watched Ring of Honor until this year or maybe 2020 i finally watched one and it was all tag teams i think we talked about it every match was tag teams mm-hmm. on the episode i watched it was a friday night i actually caught it on tv one day but two guys on this episode are one well actually both of them i i've known them both since they started in the business i'm not really sure where jimmy jacobs went to wrestling school at but truth went to al snow school in lima which is where i lived that's where me and travis met I lived mm-hmm. there every weekend. I would leave Detroit, go down to Lima unless I was wrestling somewhere else. And so I've known Truth for 25 years, 20 years, and, and Jimmy Jacobs too, both of which are absolutely awesome when I do see them these days. They've never gotten the swollen head. And Jimmy Jacobs, at a really, really young age, because he came around when I was probably five, six years in the business, mm-hmm. he was successful quick. And, I mean, he even made it to WWE as a writer, and now I think he's with AEW, or is he Impact? He's a writer in Impact Wrestling now. Okay, yeah. So he he's met Scott obviously around here, but but Truth, he he I just saw him within the last six, seven, eight months. He's not with Ring of Honor anymore, I don't believe. But he's got a school here, Ring uh, House of Truth Wrestling Academy. But this mm-hmm. this whole show 
literally could be an NXT show. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's freshman year NXT, and now current is, is like, I mean, you've got Kyle O'Reilly talking smack about Adam Cole on commentary. When, which, by the way, i got a question for you. Mm-hmm. I know we're going all over the place because I think you're doing boardroom style with this. Adam Cole wrestles a name Mike Mondo, I think his name was. No fear, Mike Mondo. Never heard of him. And this guy... You've seen him. What are you talking about? You've seen him. Where? In WWE. What is he there? He was a Spare Squad member. Is he really? Yes! Did not know that. Remember so, Mikey! That was him? Yes! Wow, I know this. I just knew Dolph and Kenny Dykstra and then the other three. I didn't know, but uh, this guy looks in the camera. He's got a bodybuilder build with his body shaved. Mm-hmm. He's got his little boy band beard, right? And he's got frosted tips. And he tells Adam Cole, "I've dealt with pretty boys like you before." And I'm just sitting there going, "What the hell is he supposed to be? He's not a pretty boy. He's got frosted tips." <laughs> And, well, it, and there's another guy there. I don't know who he is, and I, I have to ask you. I've heard mm-hmm. the name, though. I'll give you this. Kenny okay. King's tag team partner, Rhett Titus. Yes, he's a lifer in Ring of Honor right now as we speak. Oh, he's still there. Yes. Okay, he reminded me, but I knew this was too late in the game to be him, of mm-hmm. uh, when Ryder and Hawkins were edgeheads. I thought mm-hmm. he was – when he first came out, I thought he was Hawkins. And then I was oh. like, oh, him. And then I was like, oh, I've heard that name before. And then mm-hmm. the guy, what was the opening match? Was the opening match Adam Cole? Yes. Who was the guy in the second match? And they said, oh, he wrestled uh, Tommaso Ciampa. I can't even believe I didn't mention him yet. Mm-hmm. Who had just recently lost uh, their record-breaking undefeated streak. He had gone how he was, he was, he was the Goldberg of Ring of Honor. And he looked well, awesome. The- he looked jacked. He had a mohawk. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, we'll talk about certain people within this episode, TW. Just, uh, I know we're going all over, all over the place. This is, this is boardroom style. But I just want to, like, put some respect, with a K, respect on Ring of Honor because of the con- contributions to professional wrestling that it has. It is the window, TW, for NXT call-ups. It is the window for all these promotions, you know, for greener pastures, because you know, just like we talked about with Eddie Edwards and Davey Richards, not only in a year, TW, not only in a, probably a year and a half, they go to Impact Wrestling, and in, in about two years, Kevin Steen or Kevin Owens, whatever you want to call him, goes into NXT and the WWE. So TW, I mean, let's see before we even talk about this episode, you know, what could have been if hindsight's twenty twenty? What? What could have been with this organization if Sinclair Energy, you know, the, the company, Sinclair Communications, the company, the billion-dollar company, they got more money than WWE. They got more money than Vince McMahon. They got more money than the cons if they just put the resources and made Ring of Honor a bigger deal. What say you, TW? Um, there's two problems. One, they didn't have the ambition to do it. Mm-hmm. Two, they let guys like Jim Cornette, no offense, Truth Martini, and Kevin Kelly, and whoever else was helping write it, write it, who also didn't have asked. But here's the thing. I want to say this. The difference between Ring of Honor and AEW for me Mm -hmm. is one of them was fine being the alternative and also the spawning ground for people to, because at that time Impact was was a number two. 
Mm-hmm. They were fine with that, and they were awesome, which I think NXT is good at this too, at losing someone and replacing them with someone else. Because what they do is you have the guys on top, but then you also have stuff going on on the bottom. So when the mm-hmm. top guys go, boom, you throw those guys right up on top. And Because, I mean, look at it. Tommaso Ciampa and Gargano were tag team. Next, you know, they're the main event for the world title or the NXT title. Mm-hmm. Tommaso Ciampa gets hurt. Adam Cole and, and Gargano are now the main event. And, and, and even though Gargano stepped back to the North American, he is now back in the main event with what they're doing now. And then Ring of Honor did that. So they were, and, see this, I'm not a fan of the Briscoes, and apparently Brett Titus does it. You have guys who just stay there because they're also happy being there. It's almost like ECW, because I think ECW was never had delusions of grandeur of ever toppling WWF or WCW. They just wanted to exist, right? Mm-hmm. And and Vince was helping them exist longer than they, they had money to do it on their own. And I think that's what Ring of Honor was, and, and I respect that. As far as I know, they never took shots at the WWE. They never, no. you know, if they ran a show in the same town, it was because WrestleMania was there, and they were just piggybacking off of everybody being in town, which is smart business, right? AEW, mm-hmm. quite the opposite. They talk shit, and then they say shit like, yeah, we're not going to run a show WrestleMania weekend. Why would we do that? That's their show. We're going to have our own show, blah, 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 blah. So they're constantly knocking them, and to me, that's off-putting. That doesn't make me want to cheer for them because it's telling me that they want to do away with something. Just exist. Exist, mm-hmm. coexist, and just run your shit, and people will like it every single day on the hustle page. Every single day. And also those little Facebook news where they show ringside news and wrestle news and whatever other, mm-hmm. some kid in his basement who's a reporter because he's been a wrestling fan for 30 years or whatever it says on there. Right. Every single day. And you know what? A-Track's going to probably disagree. Every single day, even if it starts off with a, a guy, like I do it on purpose, I'll admit it, I troll on there all the time and say something shitty about AEW because it's like feeding the fish at Cedar Point. You just throw a pellet in the water and 900 of them come, right? Of course. There is not a day that goes by where if AEW either bought something, there's 100 people on that page defending it, or moving the goalposts and... What about when the WWE gave birth to a hand? You know, they, they can't let AEW take criticism without having to throw a shot at Vince. The second mm-hmm. someone posts something pro-WWE, they attack it. And which is funny to me because for all these people to say they don't watch the product because it sucks, they sure know an awful lot about it for them to come in there on a, on a dime and start talking about it in a bad way. It's funny, too, because, you know, especially with today's uh, social media and Twitter, you know, and before we even, again, reflectionize, this is boardroom style, before we go on our summer break or summer hiatus. So, you know, we've been drinking, we've been smoking the the weed. Thank you, Greenpeace420, our newest reflectionite, for the, providing the professor with the weed, providing TW with the weed, but we're not going to smoke it on the Twitch. That's, you know, because we don't want to get canceled on the big veto brand, but neither here nor there. With the social media people, you know, especially ratings and stuff like that, you know, why, you know, I don't care about ratings anymore. Ratings are, are superficial to me now. But you know what? It's the same thing. If the ratings for Raw is smaller, the total viewers, you know, if the total viewers are smaller, I actually retort back and say, well, you know, the demos 
make them still top 10, which means that's money, right, right. TW? Right. So when AEW's uh, ratings could slip, they don't they, talk about, they don't we, talk, right, when they slip, they don't talk about the total viewers like they do with Raw, they right. talk about the demos, which makes them number, you know, in the top 10, yeah. but I say, Demo God on his jacket, all that. They're just, it's just, they're fanboys, and that's fine. No, well, it is fine. Tell us good things about them without then taking a shot at Vince McMahon. That's what I don't understand. And then get all red-ass when someone takes a shot at AEW. Guess what, pal? You're inviting it. You're hey. absolutely inviting it. It is the nature of the beast. That's what it is in being a fanboy. And I was and I was guilty of that as an ECW mark. I wanted WWE and WCW to go out of business myself. I was right. pro ECW, but I've grown. So I know the mentality of the AEW fanboys. You might not Whoa. think so. You might not <laughs> think so, Reflectionites and, and Mark Tarts out there, but I do. I understand it more than you think about. Let's get into this episode, TW, a Ring of Honor from 2012. Almost nine years to the day of this. Oh, well, I see my reflection. I'm looking good on my on the reflection, but that's Johnny Morrison. The drip. Oh, that's it. Is it Edge? Oh, okay. Edge. Well, I saw Johnny Morrison. Again, I can't. Okay, I see uh, it now. You saw the jacket, probably. Yeah, that's what it is. But anyway, TW, let's get into this Ring of Honor episode. We talked about Kevin Owens, a.k.a. Kevin Steen, and while he's holding up a Macho Man edition of an action figure, a Chase edition, which is looking good. Oh, yeah, dig it. T.W., you talked about Kevin Owens, a.k.a. Kevin Steen. In this episode here, you know, we're going to go, you know, beginning and end. But main thing about this episode, T.W., let's just talk about Kevin Steen here for a second. He, you know, fulfilled a destiny. He fulfilled a dream. He defeated. The, he fulfilled the prophecy. He defeated Davey Richards at a Ring of Honor pay-per-view in his hometown of Toronto, Canada. So, you know, the, the funny thing about the dichotomy of Kevin Steen's uh, image, his character, I, I started watching Ring of Honor Reflection Nights in 2010. A friend of mine who's actually a PW Hustle alumnus, TW, you don't know him because he refuses to be on TV, he refuses to be on the YouTube channels, but he actually is a founding member. He just doesn't want to be called anything but, about that, but that's neither here nor there. He introduced me to Ring of Honor. And I went to one of those shows in 2010 at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And I got, I'm not going to say I got hooked on it, but it was another great wrestling option, TW. ECW place, right? Yeah. You know, once ECW went out of business, Ring of Honor took over the reins and started doing shows at the Hammerstein Ballroom. And Hammerstein Ballroom has two floors. One floor is for like about 500 to 700 people. The, the next, the floor, about seven floors up, holds about... 3,000 to 5,000, depending on the capacity. So Ring of Honor has done both shows in both rooms at, at in their careers there, TW. So it, neither here nor there. I got introduced to it. I'm not saying I got hooked on it like Ring of Honor is my go-to promotion, but it's a nice alternative to watch. So I've watched it. I got familiar with it. And during this time, Jim Cornette, and you talked about Jim Cornette for a little bit here, but, you know, like I said, we're just going to talk not segment by segment, but I just want to get into this right now. When I started getting into Ring of Honor and understanding Kevin Steen, I, I looked at him, T.W., and you looked at it within this episode. You looked at him when, when he does his promos. You looked at his matches. 
I said to myself, I said it with A-Track Brown, I said it with Billy Ray Valentine when we went to the Hammerstein. I said, this man, I don't, I'm not going to say WWE ready, but he is going to be signed by WWE. He's got that charisma. He's got that presence. What say you, TW? I mean, you saw, I mean, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. He's in NXT. He was in NXT, and now he's on SmackDown. But when you see this, you would even say he's WWE ready. What say you about Kevin Steen slash Kevin Owens? I still don't know how he's there. I honestly... You really? I'm he, surprised. He, I'm, I'm not saying he's not good at all. I'm not saying he's not a good talker. What he comes across as to me, and, and, and this is a character, I mean... But it also makes me feel like this is how he is in real life as well. He comes off as smug. Like, okay. like he's the guy on the football team who talks down to people who aren't on the football team. Only mm-hmm. he's not the quarterback or the wide receiver to running back. He's the fat defensive lineman or offensive lineman that just bends over in front of those guys. But he still has a chip on his shoulder, right? And mm-hmm. it's always been off-putting to me. And then Sami Zayn, which those two are pretty close tied together, comes across as the nerd who is the statistician for the football team and talks a lot of shit because the football team will have his back because he signs the paperwork. It's kind of like, like I don't like CM Punk. CM Punk, and, and, you know, Jim Ross says it all the time, your character is an extension of yourself, like a bigger version of yourself. And so knowing that, CM Punk is just an asshole. There's no there, – anyone who disagrees – it's, it's because they love him because they don't understand it's not cool to be an asshole. I, mm-hmm. I've said this a million times. If a kid walks up to me at an airport, at a subway while I'm riding my bike, and asks me to, especially if it's one kid, and asks me to sign something, I'm signing it. As long as they got a, a pen or a picture or whatever, I'm signing it because I used to be a fan professor and if mm-hmm. i if it's a once in a lifetime so for i'm not going to go up to someone eating food i i, I get etiquette right mm-hmm. but but he's just an asshole and with kevin kevin steen kevin owens he can move for a big guy he does moon sauce does all that but my my other thing with him is i always promised myself if i ever got signed no matter what i look like coming in I'm going to look like Paul Orndorff going out because if my job is to be a pro wrestler, I'm going to, I'm going to be in the gym more than I'm in catering. And that guy always, he, he, what's the word entitled? They, okay. he comes off as entitled. Like, mm-hmm. like who was it? Um, so wait, wait, just, hold, someone hold on, just said in a promo, I was born to do this. I think it was Adam Cole. It might've been Adam Cole or okay. someone like that. And let me let me just stop you. It's a cocky character. Okay, okay. Let me just stop you for a second. I want to ask you this question because it pertains to this. Because you know, Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens. I think what you're saying to me is almost like this generational gap with even wrestlers, wrestlers in the business in the 2010s and beyond in the 2020 wonders, will have a different perspective. Yeah. Not, a pro- not a professor's perspective, but a different perspective about the wrestling business, the traditions of the wrestling business, as entail, as in comparison to, like in this segment here in, in, uh, in Ring of Honor, he had a difference of opinion, of philosophy with James E. Cornette. And I want to say this here because I want to go kayfabe-wise and then I want to go real-life-wise because there was, during the Twitterverse, you could say, in social media, there were people on Jim Cornette's side in Ring of Honor with Ring of Honor fans, and there were people on Kevin Steen's side because a lot of Ring of Honor fans looked at Jim Cornette saying, why are you trying to hold us back 
in the 1979, 1985 right. NWA days, we are a different breed. We are a hybrid. And those fans want to, wanted to go on into the 2020 wonders, like maybe AEW is right now. So TW, there's a generational gap. And I'm, you and I are part of the, you know, we've grown with wrestling. We've seen rock and wrestling. We've seen the NWAs. We've seen Attitude Errors. We've seen the ECW uh, Revolution. And now we're in, you know, Ruthless Aggression and the WWE right now. And, of course, mm -hmm. AEW is, is in business. So, TW, there's this generational gap even with wrestling fans. What say you? I'm going to say this. I'm going to be on both of their sides because you have to grow. You have to evolve. Mm -hmm. and, and as we're talking about this, I realize if I wasn't as stubborn in my ways, actually, I did try to watch Ring of Honor because I wanted to see truth. I would Every time I saw him, I'd be like, dude, how do I watch this? I want to watch you, but I don't know how to watch it, right? And he would tell mm -hmm. me, they go to the website and it'll tell you the, the local TV stations. And it was just never on here. Or if it was, it was on at like 3 a.m. on a Tuesday when there was no way in hell I was going to be awake for that, right? But anyways, okay. here's why I make a case for Cornette. And, and I know we're going back and forth with, with – it's pretty close to modern. AEW's been around six years after this show. AEW, Chris Jericho admitted to this recently. Here's why you need a Jim Cornette and a Vince McMahon. You ready? Mm -hmm. Because okay. what are people saying about AEW? Too many matches are the same. Too many promos are the same. Because mm -hmm. now you're letting the inmates run the asylum and no one's stopping them. And, and so Fit Finley's interview on this show was like, <clears throat> wasn't his best, right? His promo, um, mm -hmm. that Mondo Spirit Squad guys was horrible. Mm -hmm. Adam Coles was good. Now, if you look at Adam Cole and said, that guy's getting signed, the only reason I would think he wouldn't is because of his size, right? The people... I'll, I'll talk about Adam Cole later. I can't think, like, getting back to what I was saying, forget how I feel about Kevin Owens. The reason I, I'm stunned that he's there he does not have the WWE look at all in any way, shape, or form. There's mm -hmm. never been anyone like him because his build is that of the one-man gang or the big boss man or someone in, the, in that garb. But they're also four inches taller or ten inches taller. You know what I mean? They were feeders for Hogan. That's mm -hmm. why they were signed. They weren't signed to sell tickets and, and T-shirts, whereas... That's what Kevin Owens does. But, again, it, it's a new fan base. I think Triple H is probably the reason that guy probably got a job because that guy seems to have his heartbeat on the, his ear to the heartbeat of the indies or whatever. But okay. that's why I'm stunned. I'm stunned the Briscoes have not been signed by the WB. Just stunned because they do have the size. Like, just last night I watched Raw. Randy Orton in the 80s would have been Bret Hart. Randy Orton right now is Sid Vicious. Everyone in the ring with him looks tiny, right? Oh, okay. He wrestles Xavier Woods. He's a foot shorter. Matt Riddle looks like he's a foot and a half shorter. You know, he almost, like, I think the good matchup would be Cross versus Orton because they're the same. They, they mm -hmm. look the same. They're the same. But you understand what I'm saying? Like, Okay, I like, get you. Like With the visuals, guys, I get you. Right. So guys like Adam Cole and, and Kevin Owens and, and Cedric Alexander, these guys would have been killed in the 80s and 90s mm -hmm. but because of indie wrestling there's more guys like them so they get to wrestle on the top spots and all that but what happens when they bring in brock those guys get murdered aj gets murdered finn gets murdered these they, uh, daniels gets murdered all these guys who are having these fucking five-star matches the second they're in there with a monster done they're mm -hmm. in, and that's why 
Kevin Owens for his and I mean, he literally looks like he just came out from a baseball card show selling new cards and said, "Hold my bag, I got to wrestle." You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't put any effort in his look whatsoever, like at all. It's it looks like a well, stepdad at the beach. Well, I, w I will say this, T.W. In in I'm not defending Kevin Owens, but he did have certain uh qual you know backstage issues with James E. Cornette, and James E. Cornette was not even really but right. Some it was it was a work shoot you could say because he did not he had disagreements with Jim Cornette Jim Cornette had a vision of of Kevin Steen or Kevin Owens whatever you want to call it and certain things that you're saying that were the hindrances of Kevin Steen is something that James E Cornette uh, brought up you're right with the look James E Cornette did not agree with the look James E Cornette said he wasn't he felt like he wasn't putting in the pat he didn't have the passion well how do we define how do we define the passion, T.W.? I mean... I agree with that 100%. There's never one time I've seen him in there where he looked happy to be there. And I don't mean smiling like Daniel Bryan. I just mean, mm -hmm. like, I've never seen him just in the moment be like, yeah, like, I made it. You know, something like that. And that's what I mean by entitled. He looks mm -hmm. like he thinks he's supposed to be there, like, like all along. And I think because Ring of Honor exists, and a lot of that stuff didn't in the 80s and the 90s, when guys finally made it to WWF or NWA, they were grateful. Because mm -hmm. you were literally starving until you signed that deal, unless you were also unloading trucks during the but week the, and kicking. But there's a big, bigger problem. Huh? There's a bigger problem, T.W., with the, the wrestling business today than in the territories. Because you're, the word, the territories. Right. The, the territories had more credence. The territories, you know, if someone makes it in a certain territory, you know, that means something. Right. Right. A wrestler right now today can make it, let's say, in the East Coast in one of those indie circuits in New Jersey, Philadelphia, New York, Buffalo, or and, and their and their shit don't shine. That that attitude, that entitlement, like you're saying, TW, makes them feel bigger than they're supposed to be, or right. the reality. Or if you go to Los Angeles in those indie uh, places, they'll feel like their shit don't stink. That's right. the problem with indies right now. So maybe Kevin Kevin Steen actually was in Ring of Honor at this time. He was also in Pro, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla PWG, which is the the West Coast version of Ring of Honor. So he was a big deal in both places, and this is the entitlement factor here, TW. And that's why Jim Cornette has a disconnect with some fans. But I'm not disconnected with what James E. Cornette says. I understand it, but like you just said. We have to actually evolve. We should evolve what 80s thinking is and bring it. Because like we always say, Reflectionites, wrestling is cyclical with its storylines. Wrestling is cyclical. There's only so it. many storylines. Yeah, there's so many storylines that actually repeat itself and you don't even notice it. It is not original and it's not anything. So, TW, let's, let's close it out here. Team Cornette or Team Kevin Steen? Which side are you on, or you you just? You, what was Kevin Steen's side? Kevin, the entitlement side. He he was bigger. He was you know he deserved all this stuff. He worked hard and he deserved to be the Ring of Honor champion. Point on point. Well, then that's being the mark for the belt. So I'm siding with I'm siding with Cornette. Oh wow, that that you know like I said in the, in the Twitterverse, this was a real big. Uh, debate and I was part of it too and sometimes I saw both sides but I think I lean more on James T. Cornette's side because I guess my it's age T. Well, I mean a belt yes it's 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 a pat on the back saying hey you're our guy I get it 
You fucking put me in the ring with a WWE title win, and you're probably going to see me crying like a bitch. But that's that's one thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I would okay. never, ever go in there thinking I deserved it. I would go in there thinking, holy shit, I can't believe I'm in this match. And then if, if I'm going over on top of it, mm-hmm. there's going to be some praying. There's going to be some lots of gratitude coming from me. And that's, that's where – but here's the thing. You, you said something, and I'm going to disagree with you on this because you said – Today's guys have the sense of entitlement. I think there are guys who don't have the sense. I think there's guys who just bust their ass and are happy to be there, but also while they're there, I don't feel like Johnny Gargano feels entitled. I don't even feel that way about Adam Cole. I think Adam Cole just goes out. I think he. I'm not saying if you're in WWE or NXT. I'm saying indies. If you even make it. No, but I mean, there are indie guys that made it. Kevin Owens still comes across that way, as he did in Ring of Honor. He still comes across that way to me. Sami Zayn is probably worse than him. That guy Mm -hmm. should buy a lottery ticket because he's the luckiest guy in the world and probably Mm -hmm. is there because of Kevin Owens, right? He probably wouldn't be there otherwise unless someone else was his buddy. But that's like... Edge got signed first. Next, you know, Christian and Rhino got signed first. And then Joey Legend got signed. He just didn't work out. He's over in Germany now. But Edge took care of his guys. And look at look at Hogan. Wherever Hogan went, the Nasty Boys, Bruce Beefcake, Boss Man weren't far behind, right? Because mm-hmm. people, they, they get in and they get their friends in. That's how it's always been. It's how it always will be. Um, but at the end of the day, um, being a mark for the bell, I mean, think about it. Let's just say, okay, Kevin Owens thinks he deserves the bell. Well, shouldn't Eddie Edwards and Adam Cole and the Briscoes and and Cedric Cedric Alexander was 22 years old. I was stunned to see him, right? Mm -hmm. But all those guys feel like they deserve the belt. So it's the same with the fans. Well, okay, who gets it then? Because only one guy can have it. And if you think it's you, then we got seven other guys who are mad that it aren't them. So if if you're going to be the guy who runs around saying you deserve it and these guys do too, and then you're going to be like, no, they don't. Well, then you're an asshole, because if you can do it, they can do it. And and right. that's what I mean by that. And then okay. that's why we get 87 title changes a year. Because as much as I hated Hogan being champion for six damn years in a row or whatever it was, I hated it. I hate it more in hindsight, right? I love mm-hmm. watching them win, don't get me wrong. But then you look back and think Savage had it twice or once, whatever. I think he had it twice, because he got it back in him from Flair. But, twice. uh... So Brett had it four times, Sean had it four, whatever. Obviously, that's a lot compared to Hogan, Hogan however many. But it's it's just so many guys didn't get to have it, right? And the Warrior only had it for less than a year. And then they took it back and gave it to Hogan in, in a month, you know, and Brett lost it and they gave it back to Hogan. So that's what makes me mad about that. I don't blame Hogan. He played mm-hmm. the game and he won, right? He, he, he played politics and he won. But the nature I, of the beast. I hate the belt changing hands 87 times a year. Way more than I hated Ric Flair once a year losing it. As dumb as it, the reason I hated Ric Flair losing it once a year and winning it back, because at some point you caught on and thought, oh, this is the formula. Every year mm-hmm. they pick one guy to beat him, and he wins it back. Every single year. And you're okay. like, yeah, Ronnie Garvin, huh? You picked Ronnie Garvin for this year. That's great. Right? You so, know, again, the nature of the beast, TW, you're right. And, and it's changed right now. 87 times a year seems like a small number now in comparison to back then when right. you held it on for a couple of years. And then, you know, the person who beat that person only holds it for like two weeks. But, you know, we're, we're gone. Those days are gone, TW. Those days are really gone. But, right. you know, in this show... We talked about it a little bit. You talk about No Fear Mike Mondo, who was Mikey from the Spirit Squad. But let's talk about the other guy, and you like this guy, Adam Cole, baby! 
And uh, T.W. I was going to wear that shirt, and I just went with this one. Oh, okay. But anyway, Adam Cole is a funny one here too, T.W., because, again, he was in both places. He was in Ring of Honor, and he was in PWG. But, but smartly, I want to say, he actually had two different characters, T.W. The Ring of Honor character that you saw here in 2012 was the white meat, quote-unquote, babyface, T.W., but in PWG, he was actually the Panama City Playboy character that has grown in NXT that has become undisputed. He was a prick. He was a dick. He was arrogant and lost. And I was like, I was mad. And when I was talking to my friend who introduced me to Ring of Honor, he actually said, well, why don't you watch? Because I said, Adam Cole's okay to me. I looked at him and I said, okay, I see something. I understand why they're trying to build him up. I said, this dude is boring. And then my friend said, yo, wait, watch these PWG uh, clips of him, and you'll like him better. And when I saw a TW, I was like, damn, man, why do I get this character? Right. And then about two years later, he joins the Bullet I think No, he joins the Kingdom, and then the Bullet Club, and then we get what, and now he's undisputed TW, and he's the man. And, you know, whether he gets, you know, whether he makes it on the main roster or not is neither here nor there. We're not going to debate that. You know, we always know that the NXT call-ups, uh, very few make it, supposedly, or get booked right. But Adam Cole, the maturation from 2012 to 2021 is like, is like 20 years to me. This man has grown in the and he he looks like he's eighteen in this in this episode and he's grown up he's grown up before our very eyes. Twenty two there as well. I think him what? and Cedric were the same age, twenty two or twenty four. Because that Mike Mondo was twenty eight. Right. He could so have been. Is, this is after Spirit Squad then. Yeah, that's why I said this is after Spirit Squad. But he was he part of that. He changed his look to become Mike Mondo or whatever. But he's nowhere now, right? I don't know where uh, Mike Mondo is, but, uh, you know, this was the last time I ever saw Mike Mondo in the business. He's probably doing the indie tours right now, T.W. He's unloading trucks. And he's in the circus. What's that? He's in the circus doing cheerleading. Oh boy, that well, don't 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 disrespect the circus, man. You know they, they, that's <laughs> that's skilled people there. That's skilled. That's a skilled set job. Off. I don't care what people say. I actually enjoyed the Spirit Squad. I don't Why even, did were they, who who were they with? They were somebody's friends, right? They were with the McMahons. Okay. So Shane, so Broad Street Bullies, or Mean Street Posse, whatever the hell they were called. Mm -hmm. and, um, Spirit Squad was after that. But I, I thought the Spirit Squad, they did some crazy stuff, man. They were all over the place. And I would have never picked Kenny to be the guy who uh, broke out of it. Dolph Ziggler, yeah, but but not. I didn't know Dolph Ziggler was him, you know, until someone told me that. But I would have right. figured it out. But Mondo, he completely changed his look. Well, he wanted to get the stink of Spirit Squad off of him. But anyway, let's get back to Adam Cole, baby. You, you love Adam Cole. You got action figures of Adam Cole. I mean, look at look at this character that you saw in this episode here. Of course, the talent is there. The athleticism is there. We don't need to, you know, we don't have to, you know, regurgitate that. But, you know, he wins the, his match here against Mike Mondo. That's a given because he's the young upstart. He's getting the rub. What say you, TW, about Adam Cole? Um... I think Mondo kicked out of his high cross body, which they were trying to say was his finish. Um, but he did that, what is it, 
not the shiny wizard. That's Daniel Bryan. What's what's his move called? Where he takes the knee pad down and then he hits him. Well, everybody knows. I don't know the the name of the move because in Ring of Honor it was a different name. But we'll call it the shiny. He didn't wizard. get it as a finish. He just did it. Yeah, he, he just did. It. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I I noticed two things, and now it makes sense to me because the thing I noticed was he did it like a white meat baby face, and he almost looked like the young bucks when they're faces like you can tell they would rather be heels and he almost you could tell he didn't like he tried to do the wink and the smile whatever and he's, I was not, com- for the he's crowd. not comfortable right and and i was waiting for the crowd to go baby and they didn't do it so i'm like all right but i felt like the crowd didn't like him so at one point i questioned who's the heel here because i feel like mondo did the heel promo but mm-hmm. the crowd had like no response to adam cole but now it makes sense because if he's that heel in pwg these guys probably know both, so they're probably it's harder to get behind them here because he's not the way they like them. And you, for example, you didn't even know about the PWG, but you didn't like that version of them, but then loved them the second you saw the PWG version, right? So right. that's probably what it is. And maybe some people did like because I think I think ECW fans, I think Ring of Honor fans, even I think AEW fans, I think they're a lot like us in that they prefer the bad guys you know the bad guys are the good guys even though they're bad guys right so mm-hmm. um i just feel like i just felt like they were flat for him and then kyle o'reilly said on commentary up and comer what he lost to me he lost to elgin he lost to this guy he's gonna lose here and then he won and so i thought okay he must be straight up green at ring of honor if he's losing all these matches mm-hmm. but now they're pushing he paid his dues. He right. paid his dues with with uh, being a tag team with Kyle Raleigh. They were called Future Shock and all that stuff. So you know, again, Did we O'Reilly look in Japan. I'm sorry. Did O'Reilly do Japan when the Bullet Club and stuff like that was over there? Yeah, they they did all that. So my question for you is: so obviously Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole have been tied together basically from the WWE promo their whole careers, um, 10, mm-hmm. 10, 15 years. Were Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly a team already? Uh, in Ring of Honor, yes. Probably at three, like two, three years later. And, but I mean, when they signed with WWE, they were a team when they signed. Yeah, they debuted as a team. And then they put them with the Undisputed, and then Roderick joined later. But mm-hmm. yep, yep. Uh, that's the my career. favorite fact of all time, by the way. It's officially and and the funny thing is, since they broke them up. I used to watch NXT live every week. I could, I haven't even watched last week's yet because I don't like it as much when they're not on it. And I really don't like the Kyle O'Reilly new character at all. I didn't mm-hmm. equate it to Orange Cassidy. I just equated to he tried to be different so he'd be the the guy, you know, instead right. of the, tech, the wrestling enforcer. I don't, totally- I don't, I don't see Kyle O'Reilly's NXT gimmick as Orange Cassidy as right. people. Someone called him that because he wore denim. I- well, I'm going to go old school, and, you know, you're going to call me an old fart TW, but I try to equate to it. Forget about the hair, but the way his attitude is, he's trying to be James Dean with Fonzarelli, with, like Arthur Fonzarelli tidbits in him. That's what I look at it. Trying well, to be a cool guy. But also nerdy. Like, yeah. Like tongue, tongue-in-cheek cool. Like anti-cool. Mm-hmm. And, right. So. And, and I don't not like the guy. And, and and I thought Bobby Fish did a pretty solid promo when he came back, but I don't like how they're distancing. I just I just prefer them as the UE, right? Like that's it. Yeah. And and 
I didn't want Finn Balor to be in it and then Adam Cole out. That wouldn't have been the same for me. But now uh-huh. I feel like Adam Cole is closer to AEW than he is to the main roster. I just think it's a matter of time before he's out of there and goes there. So well, the picture him, Rick, and you just With know he, he's there all the time. They talk about how he comes to the shows. Obviously made easier by the pandemic because everybody's stuck in Florida. But at the end of the day... I think mm-hmm. at some point he's just going to go there. And they've already broke up the Undisputed Era, so he wouldn't be walking out on his buddies, who probably have contracts running out at the same time, by the way. Who knows? But he wants to be with his girlfriend, so I can't knock him for that. So, you know, I'd his rather, girlfriend's in AEW, so... I'd rather her come here than me go <laughs> there. That's another story. Okay, but we talked about there's tag teams, TW, and Ring of Honor was prevalent with the tag teams. You saw the world's greatest tag team in this episode, even for a small tidbit, the Briscoes, and especially here, the All That Express against the CNC Wrestling Factory, that's Cedric Alexander and Caprice Coleman, TW. Ring, again, Ring of Honor, you know where, what you would call it, Impact Wrestling dropped the ball in its tag team division when they always were stout about it with the Dudley Boys and Beer Money and all that stuff. Ring of Honor picked up the mantle, and in, in the 2010s, TW, they had some great tag teams. Kings of Wrestling with Cesaro and uh, Chris Hero. You got the World's Greatest Tag Team. You got the Briscoes. You got the Wolves. I mean, TW, they had a great tag team division. And these two teams, the All Night Express with Kenny King and Red Titus and CNC Wrestling Factory, are actually the, the, the bottom feeder of the tag team division. This is, again, the, a great example of... There's a difference between, as I say to people, with AEW's tag team division, it's not deep, it's focused. Ring of Honor's tag team division was deep, deeper. Because I can take this, ma- this match between these bottom feeders. I don't want to disrespect the TW. I'm just trying to give you a, a picture about it. But entry level. Call them entry-level tag teams. They're, they're entry-level tag teams that can make it. And the All Night Express eventually becomes ROH tag team champions. So there was some precedence here, CW. That's why their tag team division is deeper than AEW's of today. What say you, TW, about the tag team scene? Absolutely. And it, it goes to show you what I'm talking about, right? You got, you got first of all, I, every one of them matched. I like that. You know, mm-hmm. even if they didn't have the same outfit on, they were the same colors, right? So they looked like teams. They didn't have everybody Paul Orndorff, their partner, every week um, mm-hmm. and turn bad guy or good guy on someone to go singles. Um, and this is what I meant where you got the world's greatest tag teams and the Briscoes on top, but underneath you got the All Night Express and the CNC Wrestling Factory, and then you got um, the Wolves who weren't a team anymore then. But, but they would they would put guys together to see what they did, right? And some mm-hmm. of them became teams, whereas the, the modern-day version of that is Matt Riddle has had a tag team with everybody. Ten years ago, Jericho had a tag team with everybody, and, you know, and they just wait to see what, if it what works. gel. And mm-hmm. uh, then they become a team. But I, I like I, Kenny King. That's what I said about earlier. I'm surprised because Impact used him as a singles guy. Didn't he end up winning the world title? He was the X Division champion, but the problem is, and Jim Cornette has always harped on this, that Kenny King's unprofessionalism always that's, creeps up. That's what happened. He was getting the push, and then he left again. He left yes. and went back to Ring of Honor, which probably means they wanted him a job to somebody, and was like, nope, and then he went mm-hmm. back or whatever. And uh, Right. 
So it's, it's another Scott Hall. It's another, you know, guys getting in their own way. Um, so, but I, I, I do like that because, you know, obviously the next thing was All Night Express versus the World's Greatest Tag Team at the World's Collide or whatever that other pay-per-view was coming up. Um, mm-hmm. But you have to do that. You you can't, like, you know, I you know, tear me up if you want to, fan page, but I think they've gotten ridiculous with the girl wrestling because, you know, the girl wrestling... Back in the 80s, you had Moolah versus whoever she was beating, and then you had the Jumping Bomb Angels beating whoever they were beating, and before that it was Judy Martin and Lillian Kai. So you never had anybody. So every mm-hmm. match that had a woman in it was either for the world title or for the world tag team title. They didn't have anybody else to put together. It wasn't like they threw two valets together to wrestle for the belts. Now there's 30 tag teams in the WWE of women. There's 30 singles wrestlers. Uh, that new Asian chick in the NXT is going to cripple somebody. I don't know her name, but she's Soraya. She damn near killed that chick that looks like Edge. She damn mm-hmm. near killed that uh, that new black girl that was on there that beat Tony Storm the week before, and then got just murdered by whatever her name is. And then I think Tony Storm. No, she hasn't. Really, but she just stiff, like mm-hmm. doesn't take care of nobody. But uh, but anyways. You gotta have secondary matches. You know, you can't have a show that's all tag team matches. Obviously, that will put people to sleep because, again, just like there's only so many storylines, there's only so many tag team moves when, before you start seeing everything repeated. Uh, double drop mm-hmm. kick, double hip toss, double back elbow. Uh, me holding well, while you elbow. Well, I'll just but TW, I'll just say this: you just need a good wrestling format, whether it's a TV show or a house show. You just need a good format from opening card to get to the main event. It should be, you know, the levels. That, and that's what we haven't had in the last decade with right. indie wrestling. And sometimes you even, and even Ring of Honor was, you know, susceptible to having the same type of matches, same type of movesets. And by the time you get to the main event, you're either A, tired, or B, like, okay, I just unimpressed with what they did. So, you know, that's the problem with that. That was Ring of Honor's weakness as I saw, as the years went on and I was seeing this stuff. And now we see it today with NXT. We see it today with WWE on the main roster. And again, we're seeing this uh, in AEW that people wrestle the same style or they just want to get their shit in. That's the right. way I'll say it. And that's what it is. And you've mm-hmm. got people, you know, there's the, the current spoof right now is Randy Orton uh, was mad at Riddle won with the RKO, and then Randy Orton won with the whatever the hell Riddle's move is. And it was funny because mm-hmm. Randy Orton got mad, but Riddle was like, yeah, he used my move. That was refreshingly different, right? It was entertaining. It was entertaining. But what you have now in, you know, it seems like every week I read something where the Young Bucks mocked somebody in the WWE in their match. You know, I guess mm-hmm. it was Roman Reigns Sunday or whatever they mocked the entrance of Roman Reigns, and before that, they mocked Shawn Michaels with the I love you, and yeah, if that's going to be their spiel, how about you mock the guys on your show? Why don't you mock Chris Jericho so it leads to a match with him? Why don't you mock, you know what I mean? Like, you're mocking people that it mock, just makes you look like another fanboy. Mark a, mark the AEW of people, the up-and-comers like Jungle Boy and Orange Cassidy, so this way they get the rub. I get you, TW. I understand. But, but anyways, what you have in these matches is... Like, that move is Adam Cole's finisher, that thing where he pulls the knee pad down and throws his knee to your head, right? Mm-hmm. I see 900 other guys do that move. They just don't pull their knee pad down. Mm-hmm. Don't even start with the super kicks or the or the leg slaps, which they do it on every program. I don't know. I think that was a work, that whole complaining, the, the leg slap, because I see it just as much now as I saw it before it was banned. 
Um, uh-huh. But you got all these guys, they just... They all do everybody's moves. There's nothing sacred, man. Remember, I mean, dude, there was a hundred guys on the roster in the 80s. How many guys did the short arm clothesline? One. Jake the Snake. That was it. Nobody maybe maybe two the most. <laughs> yeah, right. maybe two the and most. They did it. They did it on a house show. They didn't do it on TV. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And the super kick, at one point, only Chris Adams did it. So it was such a big deal to see Savannah Jack do it, too. You're like, whoa, two guys mm-hmm. do that move? But one was the Savat kick, one was the super kick. And right. so it's just, it's just, there's no, nothing sacred, nothing sacred. Yeah. But yeah. I did see something I never thought I'd ever see this week. What's that? I watched a man body slam a woman in a WWE ring. Yeah, that, that, that is actually uh, groundbreaking right now, especially this day and age. The, the NXT mixed tag match, probably one of my favorite matches I've seen this year. Honest to mm-hmm. God, right? Because right. they did it so well. Every bump a girl took, she took it on her own because she threw something at Bronson Reed and bounced off of him to take the bump. He mm-hmm. didn't bump her. And then you could you it's a thin line. You could get to the point where Gargano super kicks one of the girls on the other team, and then the USA Today is going to call for the head of the WWF or whatever, even though in movies, guys fist fight girls all the damn time. In every movie ever, Rachel, or what's her name, Michelle Rodriguez fist fights a dude, and nobody complains, right? So Because that, that's acting. That's acting. World Wrestling Entertainment. But I, I saw that, and, and I didn't particularly like the match because he started doing all the acrobatic stuff, was starting to get predictable and all that. It was clever, but it, mm-hmm. it got old in a hurry. It's like what I equated to the first time I saw Dean Ambrose bounce off the second rope and come back with a clothesline. I was like, wow. The mm-hmm. 500th time I saw it in the 500th week in a row that he did it, not so impressed, right? right. It looks like a reactionary move, not something mm-hmm. you do on purpose. So to do it on okay. purpose makes it look like you planned it all along in the first one. So, I, but, but that, seeing him body slam her, and the, and the crowd didn't lose their shit, I was, mm-hmm. you know, don't punch her in the face, don't smack her, don't dis- disrespect her. He body slammed her, and, and the way he looked was, was, uh, remorseful afterwards, I thought it was well done. Mm-hmm. All right, well, you know what, let's close this out. Just give a quick, uh, an up and cover, you could say, here in Ring of Honor. And uh, he was blonde hair with mohawks. He was called the Sicilian psychopath, Tommaso Chamber. You talked about that he was a he was a 300-day undefeated streak like Goldberg and Samoa Joe. So they had big plans for this man. He never became the ROH heavyweight champion. He was close. He became the ROH tag team champion, TW. So that that meant, that carried. I'm sorry. With who? Uh, he was managed by uh, Truth. Uh, no, no, not Truth. Uh, what's his name? R.D. Evans. And uh, what's the black guy's name? No, but, uh, I mean, who did he win the belt with? He won. Who is he managed by or who did he no, defeat? Who did he win the tag team titles with? No, not the tag team. I said television. Oh, I thought you said he won the tag team titles. No, he won the television title, T.W. And that, that, that title carries weight, T.W. But, yeah. I mean, look at, look at the character you saw here. And then the maturation of Tommaso Ciampa, he was the Sicilian psychopath with the Mohawk. He's refined himself, and he has no choice because he's had, like, quadruple neck surgeries, TW, so he has to change his style. I think here in Ring of Honor, I'm not saying he was more aerial, but he was more high impact. So now he has to ground and pound himself so this way he doesn't kill himself or become paralyzed, TW. So, you know, TW... 
give the wrestlers perspective of multiple surgeries. I'm not saying that you had multiple surgeries, but when you have to change your style after a, a very significant injury, how does that change your mindset, the psychology? And then we're going to close it out and take our summer hiatus. All right. I'm going to tell you that I was pretty lucky that even though I broke my neck, even though I should have broke my left leg and I did break my collarbone, I didn't mm -hmm. know I broke my collarbone. I didn't mm -hmm. know I broke my neck. Respectively, both of them I found out four years after I did it. So basically oh, wow. I broke my neck in 94, found out in 98, broke my collarbone in 98, and found out in 2002. And I didn't miss one match. Actually, I missed a match from them two. I did miss a match from my leg. I mm -hmm. jumped off the top rope in Lima, and my left leg landed on a dummy, and my right leg landed in the ring, but my knees and my hips stayed together, and my leg just folded up in half. I literally looked down and saw the bottom of my foot next to my calf, and I was like, whoa, and then I just went into shock from there. It didn't break. It went purple, but oh, wow. what happened is, and I can tell you from the broken collarbone, when I broke my collarbone, I was hurt for like a week, but I wrestled a week later. I didn't miss any matches. And mm -hmm. luckily, I broke it in the joint. So if you break it right here, like on the bone going from your neck to your shoulder, mm -hmm. you ain't right for fucking a year, right? Because it's basically like losing an axle on a car. Mine right. broke in the joint, so the bone was still in the joint. It just was separated from the end that was actually connected to the joint, right? And I can tell looking in the mirror now because one of my shoulders dips down lower than the other one. But mm -hmm. the move that I did that did it, Never did that move again. Right. My, when I found out my neck was broken, I, I, whenever I wrestled, I told everybody, I'm like, I don't take neck bumps. And um, you know that move Christian does, the kill switch? Mm-hmm. Okay. So imagine that bump, but with your legs over the guy's shoulders. So kind of like the flapjack where a guy has you and then throws you on your back, but mm -hmm. you're upside down the other way, right? Right. So like a like a tombstone pile driver, but you're back to back, and the guy's holding you behind, holding your arms, and your legs are over his head. This guy wanted to pile drive me like that, and I go, wait a minute. So you Hell don't, no. you can't see my head? He's like, no, no, I do it all the time. I go, no. I flat out told him, no, I will not. And I, to this day, I've never seen anyone do it. Mm -hmm. And then he tried doing it to me in the match anyway. And I was like, you motherfucker. I go, dude, I will kill you. And this is in the ring. I'm like, I will fucking kill you if you think you're doing that move to me. And so what happens is, and I think Tomas would probably be the same way, I would I would gather Austin probably never took another pile driver after Owen. Um, I, don't, I, don't remember, I don't even remember that. Yeah, you're right. He, he probably said, hell no. Right. Because once bitten, twice shy. That's it. But for mm -hmm. me, to answer your question, there are plenty of guys I know who are gun-shy from that point on. Sometimes mm -hmm. you get over it, like you go a year and you end up forgetting that you got hurt and then you're good to go. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I always, the story I always tell is when, when I first started training to wrestle, nothing hurt. Like every bump I took, even if Scott Demore dropped a knee right on my forehead, it, it would ricochet off and I'd be stunned, but it didn't hurt. Mm -hmm. And then I had my first three matches up in Canada and then a week later had my first match in Windsor. And then I think a month later had my first match in the U.S. So all those matches, the adrenaline is next level, right? But I had the adrenaline training because I was a kid about to live his dream. So I was excited to go there. Mm -hmm. so the first time I went to practice after I had my live matches, from that day on, everything hurt. So in practice there were bumps I wasn't taking, right? I'm like, no, I know how to take that bump. I'll do that in the ring when it matters, right? Because you're landing on your 
back, you know, taking body slams off the top rope like Ric Flair. You're doing all that stuff when you're training just mm -hmm. to make sure you can handle the bump and whatever. And then once you do it live, you don't feel shit, man. I did a uh, Macho Man elbow from the ring apron to the floor on an ice rink that they just melted the ice. No pads or nothing. I did it impromptu because when I kicked Rico in the head to make him back up so I could do the running back elbow, I guess Mick Foley did it, but I stole it from Marty Jannetty where you, you know, you just spin and hit the guy in the air. Okay. In the head, he kept coming closer. So finally I kicked him so hard in the head, he just crumbled to the ground and he's just laying there. And I look at this place, there's like, it was probably the biggest crowd I'd wrestle in front of yet. It was because it was my first match in the States. I looked around and did the, like that. And I did the elbow. When I landed, all you heard was from my hip landing on the concrete. It, it echoed through the building. And everybody went, holy oh. shit. And then they started chanting, holy shit. And I sat there thinking, that's going to hurt. And it didn't. I never felt it at all. I thought for sure the next day, I never felt it. Because you're you're running on adrenaline. Like, you're just like, and the, mm -hmm. the reaction from the crowd made it to where you're like, fuck, I'm glad I did it. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to. The the, you know, the crowd noise is the the crowd noise is the adrenaline slash painkillers. You right. hear it and you don't feel nothing. That's but the all thing. Time even that doesn't help, and that's where you become Luis Piccoli popping somas and vodkas. Mm -hmm. but, but to answer your question, there are guys who absolutely once bitten twice shy. You get hurt, there's just stuff you ain't doing no more. And that's why you know what move I refuse to take because I used to wrestle with Petey Williams before he went to Impact. Um, he was actually in our affection, the CIA. He uh. He the Canadian that, Destroyer. Canadian Destroyer, and then now you got 37 wannabes doing it. And I'm like, dude, I ain't letting the guy who does it the best do it. I sure the hell ain't letting you do it. And then mm -hmm. now Adam Cole does it off the second rope to this day. And I don't think he did it in, I don't think he did it in uh, that Ring of Honor match. Um, but I watched one recently, and I don't even know if it was Adam Cole. When they do it, I just look and think, man. I like it looks so simple. Like mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out who's doing guy who's jumping and then flipping, actually flipping you, or are mm -hmm. you just doing a, a front flip and it just looks so much worse than it is. But the problem is that's a similar move that Owen Hart did to Austin. The only difference is they did it standing, not flipping, right? Mm -hmm. But he did right. the tombstone but sat down instead of kneeled down. And so for me, once I broke my neck, once, you know, I knew it was broke, I, I, would, I didn't take neck bumps. I would have worked Coco Beware and told that motherfucker I ain't taking the neck bump. Well, and then he that, to me, but. It's a very important PSA to close out this PWR uh, episode here because, again, Tommaso Ciampa, after multiple neck surgeries, you know he changed his style, TW, and you know he's talking to people in the back. You know, there's the limits. Like you said, with the adrenaline the rush, there are limits even Tommaso Ciampa will even take. But with neck injuries, leg surgeries, or, you know, elbow, whatever, replacements or hip replacements, you have to have a threshold, of not only a threshold of pain, but you have to have a limit oh. to yourself. Because, you know, you're going to be... Hope if you live to be in your 50s and 60s and retired, you at least want to walk. That's what it is. You, you want to at least, you know, stand up for your grandchildren or whatever, and you want to carry your grandchildren. But anyway, this well, was the moment. One more thing. One more okay. thing. The two guys who had pretty significant injuries who I honestly, when I watch them, I cringe for them when I watch them take bumps. Mm -hmm. But I notice they don't are Tomasa Ciampa. 
and Daniel Bryan. Every time Daniel Bryan takes a boot to the face or back elbow or gets dropped on his head, I'm like, man, you'd think they would tell them no headshots for him. I feel like he's taken more since he's come mm -hmm. back. So I think right. he's like, fuck it, I'm doing it. I'm going full bore. And if it don't work out, it don't work out. But at least I went out on my own terms, right? And I mm -hmm. think Ciampa has had some pretty uh, stiff, violent matches. That Thatcher guy, they, they killed each other for a while. I That's don't think true. that he's in that Panama City pile driver, whatever the hell he calls it, plunge. Or, uh, I, don't rem I don't recall him taking that from Adam Cole, but I could be wrong. But, yeah, he, he does well, test his limits. Work, did they work the, wasn't it like a three-way to figure out who was going to fight uh, Finn Balor? Some yeah, something like that. So but he does he test the limits. The bump. Yeah, he does test the limits, TW. So with that, this was the most current nostalgic episode of the PWR in the history of the PWR episode. You know why I wanted to do a reflection? Because, again, we're going on a summer hiatus. So I said, you know what? I'm going to give TW his Christmas very early, a nice 45-minute episode, and it was 10 years ago. Almost 10 years ago. So let's get out of here in style, TW. Give out those socials so we can get out of here and start tanning our asses off at the beaches. Uh, well, the show is obviously at PW Reflection on Twitter. Um, our good man, Big Ray, at Big Ray Hernandez on Twitter. Mine is at Tommy Wonder 19 if you want to fight. If you just want to talk wrestling, it's at the Tommy Wonder. Um, my Instagram is Tommy Wonder 19, and my Facebook is, there's two different ones. There's Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder, which will tell you Tom Bryant. And then there's Tommy Wonder on Facebook. Um, and then BigVitoBrand.Wixsite.com. That's W-I-X-S-I-T-E.com. And then he has a Patreon for the brand at Patreon.com backslash the Big Vito Brand. And then the Dum Dum Duo and an Idiot on YouTube. Uh, we did the fish finally, and we're doing, we were, we had a poll up to do either Shot Collar Trivia um, Death Nut 3.0, which that was the one I wasn't picking until we messed around with those shot collars, and I refused to do the shot collar. <laughs> I have a video of us practicing. No, mm -hmm. thank you. It, I thought someone snuck up behind me and pinched my neck like a titty twister, and then mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I had a concussion because when it shocked me, my head started hurting on the opposite side of where it hit me. So do not try these tricks at home. Yes, do not try it at home unless, you know, you can sneak away from your parents' house and then do it on YouTube and be stupid. And then at the P1JB for JB, and pretty soon we're putting him on a milk cart. Yeah, we probably will. Yeah, we don't, no, nobody drinks milk, TW, so we have to put him on a Hennessy bottle. That's what it is. Put him on a Hennessy bottle. <laughs> but you can find me. <laughs> you can find me on my Twitter at PWSOPROF. That's PWSOPROF. And, of course, follow my brothers in arms. The king of the reactions, 8-Track Brown at 8-Track Dastly. And, of course, the man with the documents. He will, he, will get, he has the documents on Joe Biden. He has the documents on Donald Trump. He has the documents on everybody. He has the documents on, you know, the Rockefellers. He has the documents on, you know, the snake people. That's Billy Ray Valentine at Obi-Wan, you know me. And, again, we're taking a two-week hiatus. So, you know, we're going to be tanning. TW is going to be on his Grinder uh, nationwide tour. He's got some dates with some dudes. I'm going to be edifying and educating the masses all across the country. And we'll be back in about two weeks with, you know, maybe we'll do a rivalry. Let's do a rivalry that Big Ray asked us to do. 
When we come back in two weeks, greatest rivalries, since this is it, it will be close to about the 4th of July weekend, TW. We're going to do Sergeant Slaughter versus the Iron Sheik. We're going to go USA all the way here, TW. What do you say about that? Sounds good. All right. What the hell your nearest calendar is. But when we come back, we'll still be three weeks away from the 4th of July. But anyway, I just want to do it early. That's what it is. We're just going right. to celebrate America's birthday. It, it won't air until like Boom. a week after we cut it anyway. So <laughs> yeah. it'll be two weeks away from the 4th of July. It'll be a week or two the most. But anyway, greatest rivalries, Iron Sheik versus Sergeant Slaughter. I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful, the Iron Stomach one, Tommy Wonder saying good night, and we will see you guys in about two weeks, give or take. See you later, Reflectionites. Adam Cole! Baby!